God is at work through His local church and through the teaching of His Word. This morning on MyBridge Radio, we are pleased to share a favorite message from City Light Church in Omaha. Here's Pastor Chris Haruska. If you think about all of the epic human history announcements, the things that all of the accomplishments that humanity has uh, done in the history, there are some massive epic announcements that have been uh, published out. Uh, maybe 1903, some of you guys were alive for this one. Uh, Anyways, okay, 1903, the Wright brothers announced, the Wright brothers announced that they had invented this thing called the airplane and human flight was made possible. That was a ginormous advancement of technology. In 1969, NASA announced that uh, they had successfully put a man on the uh, the moon. So uh, there's travel through space. 1973, Motorola announced that the phone had gone mobile. Do y'all remember this? Some of you guys were around for this one. The phone was like this huge. You had to have a bag with like a pole and a satellite. It was unbelievable but it was a mobile phone, all right? There was no undoing it. Uh, And so there's a lot of, and when I think about my story, you think about history of of humanity, it's really marked by a number of announcements. And you think about your story, my story, they've been marked by announcements. I think my story in three announcements is this. At 18 years old, I moved from kind of a rebellious kid to a real person who met Jesus. I got baptized and went public and made an announcement that I was trusting in Jesus Christ at 18 years old in a small rural church in Wayne, Harvard of the Midwest, Wayne State College, shout out, Wildcats, boom, there you go. Then uh, a few years later, uh, made an announcement that I had uh, got down on one knee and, uh, and asked Kristen, my now wife, to marry me, posted it on Facebook, and, and said that she had actually said yes. Somebody thought it was fake news, all right? Uh, but it wasn't fake news. I put a ring on it, all right? I was balding, I was broke, but I was blessed and anointed. Amen. Boom. Uh, then the third announcement I would say is seven years ago, I announced to friends and family uh, that I was going to quit my job in college ministry, team up with one of my best friends, Gavin Johnson, and plan a church called City Light. It sounded like a horrible idea, but it was an announcement made, and God has used this in a great way. So that's my life and three announcements. But uh, I look at this story, and in Luke chapter 1, there's an amazing announcement being had. This is not an announcement that's at the same level of like, hey, we're going to grandma's for Christmas, or this Wednesday at the church, uh, we're going to do a potluck. This is a whole different kind of announcement. This is the kind of announcement that has the power to change our lives, our stories, stir our affections for God in a fresh way, change and transform the trajectory of our eternity. It's a massive announcement. And the announcement being made in Luke chapter 1 that is so pivotal to a weary people who are uh, spiritually exhausted and dying is not that God's got new programs or some new principles for you to live your best life now or that God's going to give you another chance in 2020. That's not the announcement. The announcement is that God is going to come through his son, Jesus Christ, and do do for us what we could never do for ourselves. That God is going to make good on a promise that started all the way back at the beginning of your Bibles in Genesis chapter 3, where God promised this one that would conquer the devil, that would defeat our enemies, that would undo the power of sin and pay the price for our spiritual death. That promise is being fulfilled and it traced all the way through scripture and it's hitting its climax right here in Luke chapter 1. So we're so excited to show you guys uh, this announcement that's being made. And as you guys look here, I just want to slow down this morning. I I don't know where you guys are at or where you're coming in this morning. I know some of you guys have been so busy with Christmas programs and Thanksgiving dinners and hosting family and holiday shopping and wrapping the presents and decorating the tree that like we just haven't slowed down as a people to really think about the good news that we're celebrating in the birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, I don't know if you're just kind of numb to the things of God, if you're just 
kind of trying to survive and get into a new year. Uh, wherever you're at, here's what I know about so many of us. We've heard the story of the Christmas. We've heard about the virgin that gets pregnant. We've heard about this promised baby. We've heard about the angels and, and we've studied the story. And you guys are very, some of you guys are just so familiar with the characters of this thing and all the nuances that you've kind of lost your sense of awe of what God is actually doing. And my hope this morning is that fresh affections for God would get stirred as we look at the amazing promise and power that's played out in this text. And I even think that there's a picture of, of real faith that's modeled to us that I hope that some of us are going to look at our lives and say, no, no, I actually want to live in that posture of surrender and trust uh, like Mary does. So that's what I'm hoping God does in our time this morning. This, this text really gives us two invitations. The first invitation is this, come and listen. There's an announcement worth hearing. Come and listen. There's an announcement worth hearing. So as we open up this text, 26 and 27, it's going to show us not necessarily the announcement. It's going to introduce us to the characters and the setting for the story. So let me show you guys where this thing starts. I'll read it together with you guys. Let's read it together. It says this, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed, or that's engaged, to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. So the first character we meet here is Gabriel. And Gabriel has been, uh, as a messenger of the Lord, in an, is an angel, been very busy in Luke chapter 1. We just recently saw Gabriel previously in these couple verses visiting uh, Zechariah and his barren wife Elizabeth. Uh, they were in Jerusalem. He was serving the Lord in the temple. He was praying. Uh, Gabriel appears to him and says, listen, I know your wife is 50, 60, 70 years old. She's been barren her whole life, been unable to get pregnant. I've heard your prayer. I want you to know you're going to have a son. His name is going to be John. And his whole life and his ministry is going to be pointing to this one named Jesus who is coming. His whole ministry is going to be saying, listen, the king, the Messiah, the Christ is coming. He must become greater. I must become less. Gabriel dropped that message uh, just previously. Now there's this massive shift, though, from the religious epicenter of the day, which was Jerusalem, now to Nazareth. All right? And so this is Nazareth. it says city. It's not a city. It, they can't even barely find the, the remaining rubble that is Nazareth. It's just a few hundred people. Would have been a small backwoods community. Did not have a military post, a political post. It was not resourced or wealthy. This is your backwoods, rural, dusty, poor, uneducated, overlooked community, a.k.a. Waverly. Uh now, why am I taking shots at Waverly, other than they just only known for having a water tower in McDonald's, is because Gavin Johnson, the one you guys think is so smart and cultured, from Waverly, all right? Uh, so just don't let him get too big for his britches. Just remind him where, where he started, all right? Uh, and so what I love about this is Waverly wasn't just backwoods and rural. It was known for having a bad reputation. The religious leaders, when they heard that Jesus would come from Nazareth, that that's where he, his hometown was, uh, they, they said to each other, um, what good things could come from Nazareth, okay? So some of you guys know cities or communities, maybe in Nebraska, off the internet. This is play, not known for producing the best and the brightest, okay? This is kind of a dark place spiritually, they're not producing leaders or people who are on fire for the Lord. That's not what this community is known for. And yet that's where Jesus is going to drop in at. And then you meet the characters. And just like Nazareth seems like an unexpected place 
for the savior of the world to drop in, the same as with these characters. You got Joseph, who, yes, he's from the line of David, which is a promise that's being fulfilled from 2 Samuel chapter 7, where there's this Old Testament promise that, that this eternal king, this greater king, is going to come through the line of David, okay? So that's what's happening. The Bible is linking the Old and the New Testament, and the story is continuing here. And so, yes, he's a descendant of David, but... He's a blue-collar dude. He's a young guy. Uh, he, he's working with his hands. He's a carpenter. He didn't have a ton of money, didn't own a ton of land. He didn't look politically resourced. He didn't look networked. Didn't look like he was the kind of guy that was going to be a game changer. Um, and then it's his, his fiancée, the woman he's engaged to, Mary. She's 13, 14 years old. And in this culture, um, she wouldn't have been educated, probably wouldn't be able to read, didn't own property, um, was still living in her parents' home. And what I'm asking you guys to do is say, why am I laying out all this information for you guys about the character and the setting? Because even here, this has something to say about the way that God deals with us as people. The, the way that the king is going to come says something about his kingdom that is coming. How it's upside down to the world's values. What, what I love is that God picks his team differently. God doesn't look for the polished and, and, and the, uh, the, the networked and the wealthy and the pretty and all the things that the world would look at. He looks at the overlooked and the average, the outcast and the ordinary, and says, you're invited to the party. And I hope that you hear this, and this is still good news to you, because it's really good news to me. That God would look at me, and I come from a different background, and the wrong side of the city, and, and, and a family that was broken, and God would look at me and said, I'm inviting you into a story that you don't deserve. Is that not amazing? Uh, I hope that's personal to you. I think some of you guys here today, you've trusted Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, but you know, you're, you're maybe in the posture like Mary, I'm too young, I come from the wrong family, I'm too old, I don't know enough. There's a million reasons why you don't fit the description and yet God is inviting you to serve him and be a part of building his kingdom and influencing others for the glory of Jesus Christ. And I've just seen that God has a pattern of using the ordinary and the average and the overlooked. Amen? Amen. Uh, I'm the only one excited that God uses people with low ACT scores. That's great. Thank you guys so much. That, uh, sure, you guys are all brilliant. Anyways, moving on. Let's keep going. Let's see the announcement, verse 28. And he came to her, this is the angel Gabriel, and said to Mary, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will, uh, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord uh, God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. I, I, I love that the first person, again, we see here is Mary. And, and the angel Gabriel comes to her and says, You are highly favored by God. Highly favored means that God's grace is upon you. And if you notice this first interaction with Gabriel, she's wondering, what kind of visit is this? Is this a, is this a visit where there's wrath? of God that's going to be poured out? Or is this the, the kind of visit where the grace of God is shown? So the angel uh, immediately announces his intention. The grace of God is on you, Mary. And some of you guys are looking at this and wondering, what does this mean to be favored by God that Mary's walking in the favor of God? Well, Mary is a, a woman who feared the Lord. She'd honor the Lord with her purity. But that's not the reason that God is giving her the honor of carrying his very own son in her womb. 
She hadn't merited this. She had not earned this. There were other people who loved God. There's other people who had kept themselves pure. And yet God's favor and mercy and love were just simply coming at Mary. And God was literally inviting this woman from a backwoods community into a story that was so much bigger than herself that she would get to be the mother of her Lord. That is an amazing honor. And yet the Lord did it, not because she was perfect or good, but because he was good. Listen, Mary is just like you and I. Uh, She was a woman who had faith. She loved the Lord, but she also had a sin nature and at some point had pushed away against the things of God. She didn't deserve this great honor. This is about God being so gracious to her to invite her into it. He's showing her favor. And church, let me just say this. Some of you guys read this and are like, I want to be favored by God. I I want this to be true of me. And I want you to know that God's not holding out his best for you. If you know that you've sinned and that Jesus Christ is the Savior who lived the perfect life that you couldn't live, that died the death that you deserve and rose from the grave, if you are sitting here today and you felt the presence of the Holy Spirit at work in your life, if Jesus Christ has helped you break free from addictions that once held you, if he's given you a secure hope beyond the grave and a promise of eternal life and you know that's your future, if he's made you a new creation in Christ Jesus and the old is gone and the new has come, can we not just say yes and amen, I'm highly favored by the Lord? The Lord is not holding out his best for you. His best is on you. Amen? Uh, and then this isn't just about a woman who's been favored by the Lord, chosen by the Lord, graced by the Lord, visited by the Lord. This is also about the announcement. And one of the things we learned about this is that this announcement is saying, listen, Mary, you, this teenage girl and this rural community are about to become pregnant, like right now. And this baby that is going to be in your womb is uh, the very son of God. Uh, And his name is going to be named Jesus. And the name is powerful because the name means God saves, God redeems, God delivers. It's the God of salvation. God is saying, listen, all these years that the people of God have been waiting for this promised Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, the, the one who would, the king that would come to lay down his life and give it as a ransom for many, that promise is going to be fulfilled through you, Mary. I'm making true on my promises. The Son of God is stepping in from heaven to earth. What an amazing story. And this is a beautiful picture of what God will do. And even at this season of the year, I just want us to be good news that Jesus Christ would come from heaven to earth. And why did he do it? He did it not because um, uh, he wanted to preach new sermons or do some miracles. He did it because we needed somebody to die for our sins. I love in Matthew chapter one, this, it says it very clearly. Matthew chapter one, verse 21, if we can get that verse, it says this, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Why did Jesus Christ come? You know, there's gonna be a lot of confusion about the identity and the purpose of Jesus. Non-Christians will reduce Jesus to a historic figure that lived in a specific time in a specific place. Uh, Religion professors that teach morality and ethics might say, yes, Jesus was a good example for us to follow. If we just lived like Jesus lived and treated the poor like Jesus treated the poor and and cared about the hungry like uh, Jesus did, then the world would be a better place. But Jesus did not come simply to do miracles and be an example for us to follow through morality and ethics and principles. Jesus Christ came not just to teach sermons. Jesus Christ came because we're sinners in need of a savior. Jesus Christ came and it was a diagnose with his coming that you were never going to be good enough to get to heaven on your own. You want to know the humbling reality of Christmas? You're not enough. Christmas is a moment where we pause and say, if you and I were so awesome and so moral, and it was really about me and you living the better version of ourselves, finally getting our marriage and our parenting and all of our lives right, 
then God would have been so pleased with us, he would have accepted us into his eternal relationship with himself, then Jesus Christ didn't have to come. But he came because we were never going to be able to do it on our own. And what that means for you and I is that Jesus Christ has saved us from trying harder and living under this condemnation of I've got to do more next year and I'm insecure about my relationship with God because church, we can finally take our eyes off ourselves and point it onto Jesus Christ, the perfect one who did it all once and for all for us. Is that not good news? I hope that's good news. So Mary's sitting here looking and saying, okay, I hear what you're gonna do, God, but how? I love that she says, I understand what you're, I'm a virgin, I'm not married. I understand this idea of cause and effect. And there's going to be the effect, but not the cause. So how is this going to happen? And Gabriel looks at her and says, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And you're not the only one that is experiencing a miracle during the season. Your relative Elizabeth is six months pregnant with a child named John the Baptist. And uh, uh, I want to remind you that nothing is impossible with God. And some of you guys here today, you, you read this story and there's this virgin birth and you're wondering, how does this happen? Immaculate conception and there's, where are the other chromosomes coming from? You know, like all of that is on the table. And I think we can get so wrapped up in asking all these questions that the Bible necessarily doesn't solve for us that we miss the beauty of this announcement that's being made. Here's what I've come to realize that my six pound brain just cannot understand the, the immense nature of our God. And I have to come to that realization. And for some of you guys, that's really hard. But for me, it's actually really easy. Like, I'm 36 years old, have a master's degree, and I still can't figure out where commas go. So how am I going to understand the vastness of our God? Amen? Uh, the power of our God. And, and there's, there's some, some of you guys are married. All right? And, and I've been married to my wife for 10 plus years. I love my wife. There's nobody on this side of eternity that I love more. I enjoy my wife. We like each other. We have a great marriage. We love spending time together. We talk all the time. We've taken trips together. We've made memories. Can I just tell you, there's so many things after 10 years and thousands of hours that I understand in my wife. And there are so many times where I'm like, how did you come to that conclusion? I don't see it from your side. Throw pillows are not necessary. Essential oils are not antibiotics. Okay? <laughs> And Hallmark movies are not cinema, okay? So just, there's some things that we just agree to disagree on. I, it's an absolute mystery, all right? And so if that's me not being able to understand another human being, I come to a place like this and say, God, I just, there's some things I'm just not going to understand, and yet I trust your word, that there's nothing impossible for my God, that he is my creator and I am his creation, and that he's the one who can do the supernatural. That's where I land on this. And so what's the good news? The good news is that God has come to save the day, that God has come to make a way, that God has come to pay the price, that God has come to save us from our sins and eternally welcome us into the family of God. I look at this, and I just want to ask you guys, have you believed the announcement is true? Like, we can study the announcement, we can debate the announcement, we can be entertained by the announcement, we can try to kind of relate to it in certain ways, but I just want to ask you today, if you're a Christian, do you believe the announcement that God really is, is, is announcing to Mary, I'm, I'm giving you my son. This is an announcement where God is looking at his people and saying, even though you might be at your worst, I'm going to give you my very best. And even though you can't make a way for yourself, I'll make a way for you. Even though you feel stuck and hurting and afraid, I'm going to come and do for you what you couldn't do for yourself. What a beautiful announcement. If you're a Christian here today, this is the announcement that we believe. And that, that believing this announcement and believing in this son, Jesus Christ, hasn't just helped me understand that someday I'm going to go to heaven. It's, it's changed my life on this side of eternity. It's given me the power to forgive people that sinned against me. It's given me the empowerment to break free from addiction. It's given me the freedom to live for something bigger than myself. 
What a beautiful story. I hope you guys believe this announcement. If you don't yet believe this announcement, my prayer is that you would see it today and believe. The final thing I want to show you guys is not just the announcement to hear, but really uh, I think the invitation is to come and see there's a posture of faith worth imitating. Let me just jump back into the story. And I want you guys to allow yourself to feel the tension in this text. Like, put yourselves in the text and in the story. Because Mary, I want us to relate to her. Mary is a girl that that really has plans for her life, just like everybody else in this room has plans for her life. Her plan was to get married to a guy that she really enjoyed and respected and probably uh, grew up admiring. She's uh, excited about her life. Uh, She's excited to move out of her parents' house and maybe into her own home. She has plans for her life. Now, imagine... This girl, you, being visited as a 13-year-old teenager and God saying, you are going to carry the very child, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Christ, is coming through you. And now imagine going home and talking to your father. Hey, Dad, I'm pregnant, but it's not what you think, (laughs) right? How would that go? I mean, the parents at this point would have arranged the marriage, a dowry would have been paid, and, and all of this stuff would have been lined up for years. There would have been planning, and yet now there's this moment of what just happened in the house, all right? And then Joseph, imagine going to him, who was a blue-collar dude working to provide. He's honored you and pursued you in the right way. You're excited about your relationship, your hopes and dreams for a girl in this place and in this time to get married to a God-honoring man in a God-honoring way and have a couple kids. That was a win, and yet Joseph, how are you going to have that conversation? Again, uh, Joseph, I just want to let you know there was an angel named Gabriel came. And he appeared to me. Really, Mary, tell me about it. And he said, I'm going, to, I'm, pre- I'm going to get pregnant. And there's a baby in my womb. And the name's already picked out. So, I mean, it's just going to, it's going to happen. He was real excited about it. So, prepare. Yay, baby. Right? And he's like, I, did, I haven't known you in that way. How's this going to happen, right? And so can you just put yourself, and that she has everything in this moment to lose. I mean, she had to be thinking, what if Joseph says, I don't want this drama. I'm out. Imagine her having to be a single parent in this culture that was really rooted on shame and honor. Imagine her being a single parent. And for her, that would have absolutely meant uh, financial poverty, emotional vulnerability. Uh, she would have brought shame to her family. She would have dishonored uh, Joseph. I mean, th- there is everything here to lose. She had to be asking all of those questions. And so I absolutely love the model of faith that Mary is in verse 38. I want you guys to see this real quickly. Here's what she says. Here's her response after the angel makes this announcement. And Mary said, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Guys, this is Mary yielding her life to God. This is her saying, listen, no, 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 God. I'm your servant. You're my master. You're my king. You call the shots. This is her laying all of her future hopes, all of her future dreams, all of her reputation that she's tried so hard to cultivate. She's laying all of the key relationships she has. She's laying all of herself at the very foot of God and saying, no, 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 do to me as you will. Your will be done in my life. Is she not modeling the same posture of Jesus Christ in the garden when Jesus would look at the Father and said, your will be done? Amazing posture of faith. I think some um, religious traditions prop up Mary as like a co-redeemer that we pray to who dispenses grace to the saints. That's not where we put Mary. She is not an object of our faith, but she surely is a model of faith, is she not? Is she not a model of faith? Because I look at this and I say, how many of us actually live like this? Lord, I'm your servant, do your will. Lord, Lord do, do as according to your word in my life. You have permission to write the story. You have permission to do a work in my family. God, you have permission to, to lead my finances. God, you, you have permission over every arena of my life. It's all yours, Lord. Uh, I, how many of us actually live like this? 
I think that there's a reality that there's a tension in our hearts where some of us, we trust in Jesus as Savior. We say, thank you, God, for paying the price for our past sins, all of the things that we've done that are against your ways and your word in the past. God, thank you that the blood of Jesus Christ covers those, and I'm no longer under condemnation for those. And then thank you, Jesus, that you're not just my Savior over my sin, but you're, you're my future resurrection and life. I know that when I die, I will see you face to face, and I'm so grateful that the grave is not my own. But then in between, right here, we kind of can struggle with Jesus Christ. Thank you for being the leader and the Lord of my life, Right? Thank you, I trust you with my relationships and my kids and my business and my finances. I trust you in all of those areas. I'm I'm pressing this in because can we not acknowledge that we don't just naturally believe that God is actually better at leading our lives than we do? I I don't know if you're anything like me, but here's what I've gotten really good at. I'm really good at telling no, uh, God no, in really polite ways. Have you ever done that? I don't just say, God, I don't believe you, no. I say, now's a really bad time. Has anybody else used that one? God, now's not a good time. You know, I really want to start doing it, but I I, I need to read a book on it first, and then I'll start next year. You know, now's not a really good time to start the whole giving thing. I just need to, I want to see what my account does, and maybe the market will go up, but if it doesn't, now's not a good time. God, I want to be a bold witness for you, but I just need to study a few more things because I'm scared that I don't know all the answers. Now's not a good time. Does anybody else play this game with God? Where we hear the Lord prompting us to do some things, but we negotiate his timing and say, Lord, not right now. And I love that Mary's saying, no, there's none of this. Maybe in the future I might, I could say yes, if some things. She's just saying, no, 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 Lord, you have permission. I'm leading with yes and obedience. I'm pushing my chips in and I'm gonna say yes to the things of God. I wonder where you're at today. I think that the spirit of God might be stirring some of the people of God to take new steps of faith today. I wonder if you here today have heard um, the spirit of God inviting you to be a part of his mission, to maybe invite that friend, that family member, that coworker, uh, maybe to share the story of what Christ has done in your life and how he's made you new. Maybe, maybe you would do that, not just so that people can come and be impressed with our building and our candles and our flowers, but so they could see the family of God. So that this would be a witness to them that there's diverse people in here, old and young and rich and poor, and people that look different, come from different stories and backgrounds. And yet the thing that unites us is our love and passion and joy in Jesus Christ. Would that not be a witness to people? And I think some of us are so afraid because we play this scenario out. If, what if they come and, get, you know, like Gavin's not preaching and Chris is there and he's got some weird cat sweater on and they never come back, right? Like, what if? That could maybe just happen. It might be happening right now. Um, and I wonder if God has called you into some things, but you say, no, 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 no. Maybe God's calling you to use your house, not as a, as a trophy, but as a tool. But you're so afraid that you're going to invite somebody over with a whole bunch of kids that they're going to break your lamp. You need to surrender the lamp to the Lord, all right? Have me over for dinner even though I have four kids. Your carpet will never be the same, but your soul will be encouraged. All right? All the big families with big kids said yes and amen, all right? Uh, All you guys with nice houses are like, no, I just can't surrender that one to the Lord. Okay, well, it's all going to burn later. Anyway, so um, it's going to get burnt up. That's what's going to happen to that house. All right. um, Not coming back, are you? All right, well, it's been great to have you here at City Light for a season. Um, you know, I just, I just know the Lord, he, he invites us into things, and it always requires faith to be a part of. It's impossible to please God without faith. And so, I don't know if God's called you to go on a mission trip in this next year, to start investing in a teenager, to be a part of our kids' ministry team that's just doing an amazing job walking with, with teenagers and students. Um, I, I don't know what it is. If it's just, the Lord's been prompting your heart to adopt a child, or start to foster somebody, and you hear all those lies of, if I say yes to that, that's going to mess up my schedule, and that will mess up my plans, and I won't be able to go on that vacation, and I won't have, what would it just for us to, to be a people that just say yes to God? 
God, I'll do what you say. I'll go where you want. I'll say what you want me to say. My yes is on the table. Lord, write the story you want in my life. I just, I want us to live in that posture. One, because I think that's the posture as Christians we live. We just say, yes, you're my savior, but you're also the leader of my life. But also just so confident that God will write an amazing story in your life that you could never author by yourself. Let me close with this. What happens is Mary surrenders her life to the Lord, surrenders her posture to the Lord, and then immediately goes and talks to Elizabeth because she wants to be around somebody who else is experiencing the supernatural in her life. So Elizabeth, her relative, who's got John the Baptist in her womb, who's six months pregnant, she sees Mary and she immediately says, um, who am I that the mother of my Lord would come and visit me? And I love that because the Holy Spirit has filled Elizabeth and notice what happens under the power of the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth is the very first one to affirm that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then what happens is the baby in her womb starts leaping for joy. You guys want to know the posture of a spirit-filled Christian is one of joy and worship, and it's okay to get a little rowdy. And, and, uh, and honestly, I, I want us at City Light Church, I want all the, the hidden spirit-filled charismatics to come out of hiding here at City Light, okay? Um, it's really okay to raise a hand and clap. Like, this is not the holy posture of the Lord Jesus Christ. You get to heaven, it's okay to get a little rowdy, all right? I'm going to get buck wild and rowdy. Uh, a couple charismatics just feel permission to get rowdy. Again, some of y'all are never coming back, and that's okay. We love you and be blessed at your non-exciting church. Okay, here we go. Last thing it says, <laughs> verse 45, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Why was Mary blessed? Her whole life changed because she believed the word of God. She believed the messenger of the Lord. She believed him that, that God's ways was better than her ways and God's plans were better than his, her plans. Is that not amazing? Look, at, we're still talking about Mary some 2,000 years ago as a model of faith because she believed God. I pray that that would be our legacy, church, amen? If you're yet a Christian, you wanna know the hard work of being a Christian, it's to believe that you are not good enough, but that Jesus Christ is sufficient. That's where our story starts, it's in believing. And you wanna know what the Christian life is really all about. Even as Christians, the battle is to continue to believe that it's better to give than to receive, that it's better to reconcile and to forgive, that it's better to live with a sense of purpose that's eternally significant than just me, 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 me. It's continually believing that, God, your word and your ways are better than mine. Church, I pray that we would imitate Mary's posture today. Thank you for joining us this morning for a favorite message from Pastor Chris Haruska of City Light Omaha. If you'd like to hear this message again or more like it, Check out Heard On Air on the MyBridge Radio app or online at mybridgeradio.net.